Hello and welcome to another Tag One Team Talk episode, the podcast and blog of Tag One Consulting. I'm Michael Myers, the Managing Director of Tag One, and we've got another awesome show for you today. This is part two of our two-part series with Michael Hess, who's one of the leaders of the Drupal Security Working Group and the Drupal Security Team. In today's episode, Michael's going to give us a rare inside look into what the security team does and how they work and operate. I want to shift gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about the security team and 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 what it is and how it works. Um, and and I, you might know where this is going. <laughs> uh, uh -oh. I want to talk about where it doesn't work, specifically end of life. You know, uh, we we've had one instance thus far. You know, Drupal six reached end of life around six years ago. Um, you know, and Drupal seven and eight eight's reaching end of life in a few months. Uh, seven is reaching end of life in a year and a few months. This is uh, a really difficult, uh, perhaps controversial to some people, um, challenging topic. Um, but, so maybe real quick, uh, not everybody might understand what end of life is. Uh, just in a brief overview, what is end of life and, and what is the difference between a current version of Drupal and how it relates to the security team and, and what happens when it crosses that, that EOL line? So end of life is exactly what it sounds like. The, the product or service is no longer going to be offered. Um, you know, this happens for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's not unique to Drupal. It is a, it's a software phenomenon. If you're familiar with the software development life cycle, um, like this is something that happens. At some point, software, you know, reaches the end of its, its, its existence. We don't run Windows 3.1 anymore. Um, and I, I will start that with saying there are actually some instances where people need to run Windows 3.1 because they've got some proprietary piece of hardware that only works with Windows 3.1. But if you walked into a store tomorrow and bought a brand new computer and it came with Windows 3.1, you would be a little concerned. Like, well, um, 1996 call. They want to know where their, you know, 286 is. What, what is this little piece of plastic and what do I do with it? <laughs> like a floppy disk. I've never seen this before. <laughs> And so end of life is, you know, the organization that makes the software is saying we are no longer going to support or maintain this software. Um, and, you know, this has been a discussion, you know, with Drupal 6, uh, we went through this process uh, actually at DrupalCon New Orleans, there was a mock funeral for Drupal 6, which was hilarious. You can go look up the mock funeral in, you know, traditional New Orleans style. Um, Drupal 7 is actually scheduled to hit end of life this year um, at the same time as Drupal 8. And we extended that by a year, mostly because of COVID and budget impacts and, and you know, what was going to happen to people's sites as a result of, of, the, of the end of life uh, and the impact that might have had. Uh, maintaining old software is expensive. Um, you know, when you think about Drupal 7, Drupal 7 has been out for a very long time. When Drupal 7 was released, the PHP ecosystem was vastly different than it is today. Yeah. Uh, and so just running Drupal 7 on a modern PHP stack is not something that anybody, when Drupal 7 was originally built, had in mind. Um, and so we are end of lifing the product. That effectively means that the security team will no longer provide coverage for the product. If a security issue comes into the Drupal security team, uh, the security team itself won't address that. I'm gonna put a star on that and come back to that in a second. Um, the 
you know, the, the core maintainers will no longer be committing new features or bug fixes to Drupal 7. So when PHP, you know, 9 or 10 comes out, yes, I said PHP, not Drupal, 9 or 10 comes out, um, the core maintainers will not be fixing Drupal 7 or Drupal 6 or Drupal 5 to work with those new versions of, of PHP. Um, now, having said that, you know, it is a fact that people are running large, complex, massive systems on Drupal. And us end of lifing it is problematic for their business. Um, and so, you know, I go back to the folks that are still running Windows 3.1. And, you know, I don't, I don't actually know of anybody running Windows 3.1. I do know of a large group of folks that run Windows 98, though. Um, and there's a couple folks that are still running, you know, Windows 2016 server, which is end of life. Uh, and Microsoft actually will sell you services to continue to maintain that. And the cost of those services goes up as time goes on. Because, you know, when there's 100,000 people buying that service, okay, there's, you know, we can pay a couple engineers. When it's 5,000 people buying that service or 5,000 companies buying that service, well, okay, the cost to pay those engineers is now significantly more because there's less people paying. Uh, Drupal 6 did a long-term support vendor agreement where we had vendors who worked with the security team. Tag one was one of them or is one of them. Uh, there are still customers who are using Drupal 6 and who are paying one of the, I think, three three vendors, it may be down to two, who are, it started at four, um, who are providing Drupal 6 support for these folks that cannot move on because they've got business processes that are tightly integrated and the cost to pay a vendor is worth it to them. Uh, we will be doing the same thing with Drupal uh, 7. Uh, Tag1 is also a Drupal 7, we're calling it extended support uh, vendor. And so as a company, you can go to one of these vendors um, and you can basically say, this is my site, this is what I have. And the vendors have a variety of services, everything from notification about releases to the vendor logging into your site and actually patching your site for them uh, and everything in between. Um, and so the, you know, the, there's an application to become a vendor, uh, and you go through this process. And so when a report comes in, you know, the security team, we will coordinate with the vendors who may decide to fix the problem or may decide not to fix the problem and make it public. And, you know, you might say, well, wait a minute, how do I know if they're going to fix the problem or not? I'm not paying them. How do I know if they're going to fix the problem? Well, if one of their sites of a paying customer is impacted, they will likely fix the problem. So, you know, if a critical, highly critical mass exploitable vulnerability for Drupal 7 gets reported, it'll go to the extended vendors and they will almost certainly fix that. If, you know, an edge case gets reported or a stress case gets reported where, you know, it affects 1% of 1% of Drupal sites and none of their customer sites are in that percentage, then they're not gonna fix the problem, even if it's a critical issue. Um, and so, you know, the, the security team was pretty successful in doing this with uh, the Drupal 6 environment, and we've replicated that for Drupal 7. We're not, uh, the, the extended support providers are not replacing the security team so much as augmenting them. Um, because one, many of the people, well, you have to be on the security team to provide this service. So you're just getting paid to do it as opposed to, you know, volunteering to do it, which is necessary because of all of what you described, right? It's, you know, the use case, you know, there's so many, so few people using it that if you want this, you should pay for it. But, you know, I, I think the, what I really wanted to point out there was 
you know, the security team is still there. You know, while you guys are not driving this process, you're involved in it, you're aware of it, you know, and so, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know how active you are in it, because again, it's a black box to me, I'm not allowed to know these things. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it seems like there's some level of coordination, if not just because a lot of the vulnerabilities that are like trickle down. So a vulnerability in eight or nine impacts, you know, seven or six, uh, by that nature, you have to be involved. And if something's discovered in six or seven, it might trickle up. And so, you know, it's not like you guys walk away and are like, whatever, you know, seven, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> like, you know, uh, it's just that you're not, uh, you know, uh, owning and driving, you know, it the way that you normally do. So uh, the first thing we do when we when we get a report for an end of life version of Drupal is we validate that it does not exist in a supported version of Drupal. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if a vulnerability comes in and it exists in eight or nine, um, then we it's our process and we work with the extended support vendors, um, but it really goes through our normal processes. Mm -hmm. um, if it's just a seven only thing, you know, the extended support vendors really own that process. We will not publish a security advisory about it. The fixed code doesn't actually even go into the canonical Drupal repo. It will go into another repo or the patch gets posted to an issue. Like the way that happens is up to the vendors, but there's some of the tooling that we have that won't, you know, won't be there. So for example, if you, you know, want to right now, if I do a security release for Drupal seven, we have a test bot that runs. That test bot will not be available once Drupal 7 is end of life. Why? Because we're saving the money on the infrastructure to run the test bots. Um, <laughs> that thing runs a lot. <laughs> I don't think like, people like, I really don't think people understand the scope of Drupal. I mean, that thing did something like 10 concurrent years of testing in a single year, like a decade <laughs> worth of effort. You know, like you're talking about a massive, massive AWS bill. You know, that's just not sustainable. Um, so that, you know, that has to be decommissioned. Um, and, you know, we'll continue running tests for Drupal 8 and Drupal 9, but we can't, you know, we can't support running tests for every version of Drupal. Having said that, the infrastructure behind that test bot is available to the, you know, to the vendors. And honestly, everything about it is open source anyhow. So anybody could, re, you know, recreate that test bot if they wanted to. Um, the tests are in the canonical Drupal repo. Uh, but you know, a lot of the a lot of the the procedures, the policies, the tooling goes away because in some instances, this is now up to the vendors to handle that level of support. And so, you know, a vendor might have a contract uh, with a major you know organization that says, "Look, this is what we need," and the vendor may agree to it. And the vendor is then that's a contractual business relationship between the vendor and that company. The security team isn't really involved. You know, we do remind the vendors that for issues that do impact a supported version of code, which may not be core, it could be, you know, a module that is in both uh, seven or eight, nine or 10 and seven or six, um, that, you know, our processes and procedures come into place uh, before if, if it impacts a currently supported version. But, you know, in some ways, there's a lot of, you know, the vendors have, have the authority to say, we're not going to fix this. We're going to make this issue public. Um, that's within their call. And they, you know, they have to all agree to do that. Um, and the other thing we did is we put in rules about vendor participation. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that vendors who are part of this program are actively fixing issues. Um, because it is, you know, the vendors get to self-organize for a little bit, but we do have some rules in there that basically 
you know, saying, well, you can't become a vendor and then not fix anything. Like that's not cool because then all the other vendors are doing the work. Uh, so yeah, so as far as, you know, if, uh, for long-term support for Drupal 6, you know, I think that uh, my drop wizard tag one, like vendors came together and proved that this model can work really well. So I think that organizations that are on Drupal 7 uh, and looking for extended support should rest assured that one, it's going to be available and two, it's going to be available for a really long period of time. Um, Drupal 6 extended support is still available. Um, it's been around for, I think, uh, Drupal 6 went end of life six years ago now, almost five years ago. Uh, we had a, a big enterprise, a billion dollar corporation reach out to us yesterday asking for Drupal 6 support. Like people are still contacting us and asking for Drupal 6 support and it's still available. So if you're on seven, you know, you should be able to run seven for another seven years with Drupal extended support from vendors. Uh, I did a DrupalCon talk uh, with help from Michael uh, you can check it out at tagone.com slash EOL for end of life, uh, which explains the whole model, how it works, what it will do. Um, but since I have you here, Michael, I think one of the controversial things, uh, and you know, I have a strong opinion on this, but I, I want to get your perspective. Drupal 7 is by far the most popular release of Drupal ever. There are more sites running Drupal 7 than every other version of Drupal combined. Um, and I think a lot of people are wondering why would you end of life, you know, the most like, you know, loved and popular version of Drupal? Um, well, it's not my call. I'm not the one who's deciding to end of life at. Why? It's actually a really complex question. Um, you know, part of it is that Drupal seven is running in many, many different environments. And this goes back to my, you know, like site persona thing from earlier in that, you know, there is the persona of, I set up my site seven years ago. I keep it updated, haven't touched it. It's not complicated, but I also don't want to take the time to upgrade. But, you know, I've got a hundred nodes and seven modules and, you know, like it's my site, it works. There's also the, I've built my entire business around it. There's a hundred million lines of custom code in this. Uh, it is my ERP, like, and so, you know, those are kind of the two opposite ends of the spectrum here. Um, at some point, the the person who set their site up seven years ago, like their host is going to upgrade them out of Drupal. Like the amount of work it takes to keep chasing PHP versions and, you know, without breaking old code gets complex. And that's a, you know, that's a lot of work. The, the you know, group that's run their entire ERP on it, they're going to have somewhat of the same issues. If they're using PHP 5.3, please don't be using PHP 5.3, first of all. But if you're using PHP 5.3, like that's a lot of work there. Software you know, goes through this process. I think, I don't know the exact dates, and I probably should have been aware of this. Um, I think there, I think Drupal 7 has been around for a very long, like 10 years, I want to say. Oh, yeah. And the other uh, thing is longer. It's been in development. I mean, it was in development for something like four years before it's official. Like its development life cycle was really long. So, you know, it existed at least three, maybe four years before its release. And it's been live for at least eight or nine years. So it's actually it, Drupal 7 came out in January of 2011. Okay. Um, so the original end of life date was going to be 10 years after it came out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's very few software packages that are supported for 10 years by any vendor. Yeah. Um, and we've added a year to that. You know, 
the PHP universe is moving towards what Drupal 8 and Drupal 9 look like. Um, and so, you know, there are competitors to Drupal and I'm not gonna say you should go use a competitor to Drupal, but you know, in the evaluation of what to do, some of that is reevaluating your use case. Um, and is, you know, is Drupal 8 worth the migration? You know, I've, I've got a lot of sites that have said, you know, I built this site 10 years ago. I haven't changed it in six. Like I can make this a static site. Um, there's not a good answer here because, you know, it's, it's hard. Where do we balance resources? Uh, you know, we have a finite number of, of people who develop Drupal mm -hmm. um, at the, you know, working on core. Where do we balance those resources? On the current version of the software, which has, you know, all sorts of modern day technologies built into it, or on the 10-year-old software that's got a lot of use. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that this came up with, with, with your question is why we did extend this. You know, I know there were a lot of migrations that were planned to start uh, right, or were in progress at the time the pandemic started. And, you know, we, we, we basically said, okay, we know these are gonna cancel. We know budgets are gonna get tightened. Let's extend this a year. Um, but, you know, we need to move, we need to move forward from Drupal 7. Uh, that's where the that's where the software development processes are going to. Um, what's your opinion on it? You said you had a strong opinion. What? what? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Check out my tagone.com EOL talk. Um, I, I talk a lot about this, and I, you know, um, one, I, I I think the community is amazing, and I I love the fact that the community said, you know, look, COVID, the world's in a difficult place. We're going to give everybody yet another year. We've already extended. You know, I feel like the community has gone out of their way to try and do everything they can. And what people have to realize is that we're like in our community hack capacity, we're largely volunteers. And so, you know, you're talking about software that's, you know, a, a decade old since release, three or four years in development. So I've been working with Drupal 7 for 13 years. Like people don't want to be working on 13 year old software, like not in their free time. And, and even paid, right? Like we, we excel and, you know, progress in our careers because we are researching and learning the newest things. And so you can't rely on a, a, an open source community for support. And so I think that the model uh, that we've put in place with this extended support program uh, is a great blend because the community shouldn't provide it, won't provide it, um, but, you know, putting this extended support program into place gives companies options. And again, like to me, Drupal is about freeing people from their technology, like, like you know, the site builder role, you know, like uh, layout builder, you know, the, the, you know, Drupal empowers non-technical people to control and manage their site and it enables technical people to do so much more. So for me, Drupal is all about being in control of your technology and what extended support does is it puts business in control of their technology. It, it says you can make a business decision to upgrade. It might be make your site static, make it, you know, archive it, go to another, you know, platform, or it could be pay an extended support provider to help you continue to run and maintain your site. You don't have to, like, Seven is a great platform, you know? I, I mean, uh, you know, if it meets your needs, you know, and there's no business reason for you to upgrade, extended support is perfect. You know, like you, I, I don't think you should be held hostage by your technology. And so, 
you know, uh, I don't, you know, I love that you don't have to upgrade. You can continue to run it and that extended support is there for you to do it. And it's not like we've got a kill switch in the software where on, you know, the end of life date, all of your Drupal 7 sites will magically just stop working. Like we don't do that. It's an open source platform. You can also choose to take the risk and say, okay, you know what? I haven't done a security update in three years since that last major one. I'm going to take that risk. And you're going to have, you know, I agree with your initial reaction. They're like, oh, please don't do that. But people are going to do that. That's the beauty of open source. You know, when we talk about where funding in this community comes from, if you go look at the, you know, Drupal.org marketplace, which is ranking people by their contributions to the, uh, the platform or to the, to the product, Drupal, or modules, or holding events, um, or any other ways in which people can contribute to this platform, you know, of these, I see two vendors that do hosting and the rest build sites on clients. And I can't imagine that there's a lot of clients that are going to these vendors and saying, hey, I want a Drupal 7 site. Build me a Drupal 7 site. Um, and I know Drupal 8 has all these wonderful APIs. I want you to build them from scratch in Drupal 7. Um, like that's not happening. And so, you know, the people who are getting the, who are, who are actively working on projects on behalf of clients are building them, building the new ones on the new services. And if you haven't updated to Drupal 8, because, you know, your concern here is, oh, well, I'm going to update to Drupal 8, or I'm going to upgrade to Drupal 9. And then, in, you know, X number of years, I'm going to have to do this massive upgrade and start over again. You know, the upgrade process is no longer rebuild your site. You know, when you went from Drupal 5 to Drupal 6, Drupal 6 to Drupal 7, it was a quite painful process, which in some cases uh, effectively you know, required you to just start over. Like you're gonna start with installing Drupal, you're gonna import your content, you're gonna go find your modules, you're gonna have to rewrite chunks of your custom code. Um, you know, going from Drupal eight to nine can be as simple as just updating the code and running the migrations. Um, depending on what code you're running and what you're doing in there, it is not necessarily rebuilding everything. And so, you know, that is one of the huge, huge benefits of being on Drupal 8, 9, or 10, because you don't have this massive migration process that, you know, is, it was, is, was painful. Yeah. So, so that, that, that leads me to another question, you know, um, with the shift from, you know, seven to eight, we went to semantic versioning and we changed our numbering, which is confusing to people. I mean, a good thing, but all of a sudden you're seeing like numbers advance quickly, you know, eight's already nine, nine's going to be 10 in a year and a half. Like, you know, so the good news is that, you know, it really is just a numbering scheme and the upgrade process is really seamless. It's nothing like what it was, um, you know, upgrade paths are, are super easy moving forward. And that's phenomenal. That's, that's a huge reason to be adopting, you know, eight, nine, and 10, uh, you know, the longevity you're gonna get out of it. Um, but I've noticed, you know, like we're no longer supporting versions of eight, um, you know, like things are happening, like uh, eight dot whatever no longer has security support. Like, can you give us a little insight into like how security support works within the sure. eight nine ten ecosystem? So there's there's major, minors, uh, and patch releases. Mm -hmm. And so Drupal seven is a major release. Drupal eight is a major release. Drupal nine is a major release. Drupal uh, ten will be a major release. The minor releases don't exist in seven. So let's take that off the table are the releases that come after that. So 
Um, the patch releases are 8.1.0, 8 8.1.2, 8.1.3. 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 8 you know, how many times was Drupal 7 delayed when it was initially coming out? Um, how many betas were there? You know, there were not set releases. And by the way, that's not, you know, I'm not criticizing the way we did things. It was ready when it was ready. Um, you know, what we're doing now is saying, okay, we have a very strict thing in place. If you want to get a new feature in, it has to be at this stage before we're going to actually think about releasing this upcoming release. If it's not there, great. It gets pushed off to the next uh, minor release. And so we've got this really, or major release, depending on what, what we're doing. Um, and so because the upgrade path is, is easy, the changes between 8.6 and 8.7 to do that release is not, is not difficult. Um, and so, you know, the upgrading between minors is relatively smooth. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's been perfect. We've had one issue that I'm aware of and maybe more than one, but where you know there's been a, a headache involved, but you know it's very clear what's in that minor release and what's not in that minor release. Whereas in the Drupal seven, you know the non-semantic versioning routes, if you're doing you know, uh, you know what I think we skipped like ten points because we wanted to indicate there was a major change here, and so you know we we just skipped random like it was completely arbitrary. Um, and so, you know, I, the whole, and I'll share the link to what this looks like so that you can share it uh, with folks. Um, you know, this really spells out exactly how it works, when security coverage is, how long security coverage is for each miner after it's released, how the whole, whole thing works. Um, when we do betas, it, it, you know, there's a, a fairly complex process in here. Uh, for doing this, but what's great about this is that it's predictable. Yep. Um, and so it's not a, you know, when the volunteer maintainer has the time to do this, there will be a release at these times. And if you want to know what's in it, there is a change log that will show you what's in the releases. There are release notes, not log, I apologize, release notes that are detailed that cover all the information that's in the releases. It is a, uh, it is a much more predictable way of doing release management. But yes, we do unsupport the previous miner six months after uh, the new miner's release. And so, you know, effectively, if, uh, you know, if I release 8.7 uh, in, you know, May, um, people are still running 8.6, obviously. 8.7 is now the supported miner release you get your support for 8.6 to do your upgrade through December. Um, so you've got that time in there to go through and, you know, do those, make that upgrade. And then of course, you know, you keep moving forward. But for the most part, you know, I've got a lot of Drupal 8 sites that I'm responsible for. I, I think, you know, I can count on one hand the number of issues with minor release updates. Um, and, you know, they're 99% they're, they're of the time very smooth. Um, so the numbers are moving faster. The support windows are, are, are smaller, but the upgrade process is, is really easy. 
Um, and it, you know, for so many reasons, security being paramount, uh, you know, people should be keeping their sites up to date. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring it up because I, I think, you know, it is, uh, it's a lot to digest. It can be confusing. Um, and it is, you know, in fact, a really good thing, uh, a really easy thing. Um, listen, Michael, you've been crazy. I mean, generous. I, mean I, want, I want to clarify what's the security thing there. Every minor release gets security coverage for a full year. Yeah. Uh, that's typically six months of it being the active release branch. And then six months when the next miner is released, we, we keep that miner in support. Um, the, the, you know, that's a predictable software. Thing. The other thing that's happening though is you're getting new features. You can choose not to use them, but you are getting new features with these minor releases, uh, which, you know, with Drupal 7, you know, you got new features, like there's, you know, it kept moving forward, but, you know, you would get features, you'd get bug fixes, you get all sorts of things in one release, and it was hard to figure out what's going on there. This gives you a predictable time to test your release, to make sure you're happy with what you're going to release, and that you're not, you know, breaking things in unpredictable ways. It's a much more mature model, I think. Yep. More predictability, planning, you know, it, it, it's, you know, sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's good on the whole, so... Michael, you've been uh, unbelievably generous with your time today. We went we went way over. Uh, I you know there's so much more I want to ask you. This was I mean I guess for a guy who's been involved in the community for a really long time, you gave me insight and answers to things that I've been wondering about for a really long time. So I, I hope that other people learned uh, as well as much as I did. Um, I'd love to have you back in the future because there's you know so many more things I wanted to cover. Uh, but this was this was great. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, Th thank you for having me and I'm happy to come back and talk about the stories of how Drupal.org almost used a uh, commercial vendor uh, whose name starts with an A for its Git provider instead of GitLab. Uh, that's a fun story. Uh, but <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great evening uh, and a good weekend, even though it's a Friday and I don't know what, when people are going to be watching this, but have a good evening. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. And for the folks who tuned in, uh, we're going to put all the links uh, in the show notes here. Please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share this out. You can check out our past talks at tagone.com slash tagteamtalks. You can check out the uh, end of life presentation I mentioned at tagone.com slash EOL for end of life. Uh, as always, we love your feedback and suggestions. Uh, let us know what you thought of the show, uh, topic ideas for the future. You can reach us at tag1teentalks at tag1.com. Thank you guys uh, so much for tuning in and joining us today. We'll see you soon. Take care.